Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Pro and college football is now in full swing, and we're coming up on the last couple weeks of the baseball season, which means you need bet online more than ever before. You can use our promo code BLEAV50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the link in the description to this episode. Bet online, where the game starts. What's going on? Nothing much today. What's going on with you, number eight in the country, Blake Jude? I, you know what? I'm doing pretty fantastic, at least in college football terms. I'm, I'm quite enjoying my uh, my time in sports betting and uh, watching my favorite team actually win football games. That's that's pretty awesome. So I am doing quite amazing. Well, in the college world, you're watching your team win football games, and I'm sure the rest yes, of your life right. is going great too. Yes, of course. Yes, I've been getting some work. At the gym, you know, been trying to continue to make some money and uh, all that good stuff, and you know, trying to look to make some future moving plans down the line. But yeah, we're figuring out stuff, and I'm, I'm doing pretty well uh, as a whole. <laughs> Glad to hear. Glad to hear that everything's going well. Save that money that you won last week that the people probably don't know about, but you pocketed like 300 bucks gambling last week on par- like 50 50 parlays. You're like nine and oh to start the season on 50 50 parlays yeah uh well i mean as a whole um you know i've hit on uh three i would say pretty good sized ones which has kind of really helped me i guess push to forward but i've got a couple of three leg parlays as well that's at least gotten my money back a couple of times so far at least in college football nfl has not been as successful for me because i feel like nfl is a lot harder to guess um, and even though we did like that little, that little series we used to do whenever we would, you know, bet like, uh, certain games and I actually had a pretty solid record back then, but, but with parlays, it's a lot harder, you know, cause if you're betting, you know, I was 66%, I think whenever we did that. And if you do three like parlays, that's almost guaranteed you're at least missing one each time, you know? So even mm-hmm. in your confident ones, you know, it's still pretty tough to hit on all three. So I'm kind of sticking to college mainly now. And, and so far I'm, I had a net average of making over $500 so far in the th- first three weeks of college football, which is awesome. Um, so, you know, in total, I've been doing pretty good with that. And I'm getting really into it now. And I, I, need, to, I need to be careful. Um, but at the same time, I, I have not gotten to the point. Ever since I really put my first money in there, I've never had to go back to put more money in, which is awesome. I've only been able yeah. to put money back into my account. So I, I'm, I'm enjoying it. You know, my first, first year of betting, and it's going pretty well. You don't have to chase Hawaii. You don't have to. Uh, ever since you started chasing Hawaii two weeks ago, it's been all victories. But NFL has been weird this year specifically. I know people like against, I mean, not even against the spread, just straight win losses have losing records this year because there's just been like five absolutely insane comebacks. And against the spread, yeah. like the Falcons were a lock to not cover the spread. And then they just miraculously came back against the the Rams last week. So I think this NFL season has just been especially weird because like other than the four teams we know are awesome and the four teams we know are shit, everyone else has been just pretty much the same. Yeah. When you, when you look at the top, uh, you know, like 
quarterback passing stats right now and, and you see that it's Tua, Joe Flacco, and Jalen Hurts, I mean, that's when you kind of know <laughs> that this has just been a weird start to the NFL season. That's the really Oh, you're forgetting pass, one, too, because uh, guess who's second players. in passing right yards now, so right I'm now? Just like, you know, I, I was saying, you, you, you Flacco, forgot one, because sec- Flacco's third, second in passing yards oh. is Carson Wentz, baby. <laughs> oh, Carson Wentz. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I totally forgot about Wentz. Yes. Yeah, so like when, whenever those four quarterbacks are in the top six in passing yards, that's when you know it's just like, man, something's gone wrong <laughs> in the NFL right now. So I'm just, yeah. you know, I, I still I still throw a couple of smaller bets in, but I'm not taking that one nearly as seriously as I'm taking college right now. I'm putting together several parlays like for college and, and trying to make uh, some pretty good money. You know, I, I do a couple of three and four legs that I'm really confident in. That way I can guarantee at least make my money back that I spend. And if I if I am, am able to hit, and I've actually hit on a couple of those, um, and then I, I do a couple of bigger ones, and you know, as you know, I've already hit on two big ones so far. I made two hundred fifty dollars, and I made a four hundred dollar one last week. Um, you know, these couple of big parlays have just been kind of working out for me right now, and I've kind of found a bit of a secret to some of my uh, some of my betting uh, uh, practices, I guess. Um, it's just and betting unders. Over unders. You did, you did a bet that was just all yes, unders and yes. hit. <laughs> so. So that that's, it's, it's kind of a secret that no one really knows about. Um, if you ever see a game that is over 70 points and over under, I'm always betting the under no matter what game that is because over 75% of games that have an over under of 70 hits the under every single time. Over 75%, no matter what games they are, no matter what offenses they are. I watched Maryland SMU last week, which was the literally the worst defensive game I have ever seen in my life. And they hit the <laughs> under of 71 and a half. Literally, I, I I think it's almost free money to bet the unders and parlays. If you have three or four games that have the unders of seventy, you know, put that together with a couple of games you are very very confident in can cover the spread. Like, um, you know, there's a couple of games this week I think are are really good for the spread. And if you combine those together, you can get together a six leg parlay that plays three hundred dollars, and there's a good chance you're actually going to hit, which is kind of crazy. Um, so I've kind of found this little secret that I've been kind of attacking, and and so far it's working. Now I definitely will have eventually some times where it probably doesn't hit, and I totally get that. Um, and I'm not betting the all unders on everything. I'm definitely I, there are some I do avoid, and I actually am betting the overs on a couple of games this week. Um, but at the same time, I mean, it really is I think pretty safe money to be able to to uh, bet the unders on a lot of these games that are predicted to be really really high scoring and. That's really been able to help me add on to a lot of these parlays that have been able to, you know, make me make a little bit more money than what I was originally going to make had I not done that, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. This is the weird thing about betting unders, because the reason that exists is because Vegas always wants to make money equal on both sides so that they win no matter what. And the everyone wants to bet overs because nobody wants to bet under on a game. Everyone wants to be rooting for points, rooting for overs. And even I mean, they like usually 70 percent of the bets always come in on the over. So the line keeps getting pushed up. So. So, yeah, betting the betting the unders are always this uh, competitive advantage in gambling that I've heard about. I mean, obviously, I don't do gambling myself, but I know people win on unders and you've won like parlays where you're betting five unders and winning back to back to back. Like it's it's pretty weird how those things work out. But betting unders is this weird advantage that no one takes no one really changes behaviors when it comes to betting unders. It's kind of a weird thing, especially in college football, where, again, there's like 70 games a week and some of those offenses like SMU are just totally incompetent. Right. Yeah. Uh, 
there, there are, there's been a couple of games, especially that I think are like, uh, are, have at least been pretty close, you know, like in a lot of these blowout games that Michigan's been in, for example, I get really worried about these over-unders. And of course, in one of our podcasts previously, we, we kind of did a live reaction in Michigan, Hawaii, which had <laughs> yes, really you sweating. descending you know, into really, really chasing Hawaii at the end. <laughs> Yeah. So, but some of those games, like they have really high over unders of like 66, 67, and Michigan's dropping, of course, 56, 57 in the game. So you're really sweating it out. So, games like that, I try to avoid. But whenever it's a 50 50 matchup or something that's at least, I think, respectable, um, for example, last week I had USC Fresno State, I had Maryland SMU. Games like that, you know, uh, I, I think are, are ones whenever they have very high over unders. I feel like. A lot of times later in the games, it becomes more of a possession game. The team that has the lead tries to milk the clock because they know that their defense cannot get a stop whenever needed, right? So you end up getting some of these games that, you know, maybe start off a little quick and they combine for 40 points in the first half. But after that, it really does start to slow down and you become a lot more calm and a lot more, um, you know, uh, not as worried about the game as a whole. I kind of watched that during the USC Fresno State game. I mean, Jake Hayner did leave with the injury and that was really unfortunate. I think Jake Hayner is a great quarterback. He's going to be really fun to watch this year in scouting. But uh, you know, unfortunately, he did get hurt, and the backup quarterback came. First of State really didn't look horrible with their backup. I mean, he wasn't great or anything, but it wasn't horrible, you know, at all. They were still moving the ball pretty well. But as USC kind of realized, hey, we have a thirty-point lead at this point, they're going to milk the clock, right? So you know, you know, it was cashing. In. I think it was forty-one seventeen or something like that was the final score. Only fifty-eight points. The over/under was seventy-three and a half. These games like that, I feel like, are just so free to be able to bet the under if you feel like they're relatively going to be competitive because these teams are not going to ideally score in ten, two minutes to get the, to give the ball back but their defense just completely let up another touchdown again right it just doesn't make sense in terms of game plan so uh, you know it's, it's we're gonna see how it works out again this week I'm, i've done a couple of unders there's not many games that are gonna be over 70 points this week but um there's a couple of games i do like the unders for um and and i'm kind of excited to see if they're gonna hit again because if they do hit again i feel like i've found a bit of a pattern that i could probably attack and actually take you know more seriously maybe it gets to the point where you know, I, I do this, you know, every single week. <laughs> Maybe it works. So uh, who knows? It'd be kind of awesome if it, if it does work. I didn't think we'd have to get to this point 12 minutes into the show, which is I need to issue an official apology to the SMU Mustangs. I said that they were uh, bad offenses like them. They have scored uh, 48, 45, and 27 points in their three games so far this year. So SMU actually has a very good offense. Congratulations to all the SMU fans that are not listening to this show. Uh, SMU actually yeah. is pretty good, and they will probably beat TCU this week with the coach who just left SMU for TCU. So right. congratulations to SMU. I I issue an official apology for talking shit about SMU football. No, it, it's totally okay. If you just flip the offense and, and say it was their defense instead, I would have had no complaints at all because their defense was horrible that game. Yes. I mean, it was horrible. Maryland gave them every single opportunity to win that game. They're often, they, Maryland committed at least, I think, seven or eight personal fouls in that game. 15-yard uh, penalties. I mean, it, I, they had to have over 150 yards in penalties. I'm not even joking. It was crazy. And SMU still lost that game, okay? So, <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, their defense was horrible. And, you know, that's going to be a fun game. I know that has a really close line. I think I actually... I didn't think I, I don't think I bet on that game yet, but I, I'm not I'm not a bit over on that though. I, I do think it's a team that's really capable of scoring a lot of points, and and uh, people don't give them enough credit for uh, um, how good their offense has been, I guess, so far this this year. But still, it's it's a pretty um, you know pretty I would say subpar team right now after losing to Maryland. That was just a, a pretty embarrassing loss. As 
they really had every single opportunity to win that football game. TCU is currently favored by one and a half points in that game. Yeah. Again, TCU has SMU's head coach. The, the coach at TCU was at SMU last year, and it's going to be really funny if SMU beats TCU with the new coach who just left SMU for TCU. And uh, yeah, I didn't think we but you brought up Maryland and you brought up uh, SMU and TCU, which is bringing me into something that I always find interesting, which is the teams that are three and O that aren't going to make bowl games because it happens every year because college football is <laughs> weird in how the schedule breaks down. And this year, there's a lot of weird ones. But yeah, there, there are a few teams this year that are three and oh, that will end up not making bowl games because college football, they like schedule all the easy games at the start of the year. And uh, I, I think Maryland is kind of the king of this group of starting three and oh, and then finishing five and seven. But this year, I think Maryland's been topped by a bunch of other teams such as Duke and Washington State and uh, at this point, Syracuse <laughs> and uh, obviously our beloved Kansas right. Jayhawks that are three and zero at this point. But there, there's always these handful of teams that start three and zero and won't make bowl games. I just like to acknowledge them here because this is their week for their fans to celebrate before they lose seven conference games in a row. You know, it is going to be pretty interesting to watch because two of those teams that you did talk about do play this week, and that's going to be a game I'm very, very excited about between Duke and Kansas. Uh, we get to see that Woo! matchup. So one of those teams will be 4-0 and this week, which is very, very exciting. I'm definitely yeah! watching that game, by the way. There's Let's no way go, Kansas! <laughs> I want Kansas to win so bad. That would be amazing. A 4-0 and star after that mediocre, uh, not even mediocre, after the horrid, uh, several decades of Kansas football. <laughs> the the horrible um, entire yeah. generations of Kansas football. <laughs> not, right. Not winning yeah. a road, so, I mean, co- not winning a road conference game in thirteen years, and now they've won two in their last four games. Right. I mean, and, and not only are those teams, you know, they also got North Carolina, who's favored to beat win over Notre Dame right now. Their quarterback has looked fantastic right now. Uh, uh, I was really, really impressed by their offense. It's been really clicking on all cylinders after I think a lot of people had a lot of question marks. Um, uh, Drake May has been fantastic. I mean, I, I think he's one of the leaders in the league in passing yards right now. He's 11 touchdowns, um, really doing well taking care of the ball. North Carolina has been a really, really fun team this year that I've liked a lot. And then, of course, you also have um, you also have Indiana right now, who's also 3-0. You know? so okay, no, okay. Like, really I'm glad you mentioned Indiana. I, I want to explain to people why Indiana is the king of this game this year. Cause I intentionally left out Indiana. Indiana is three and O Indiana this year. And by the way, who, you know, who else is three and O Indiana, Maryland and Rutgers. And they all play in the same division of the big 12 or I'm sorry, of the big 10 Indiana this year, their three victories were an overtime win against Western Kentucky, <laughs> a victory. Uh, I believe Okay, so they beat Idaho and they did not cover. They beat <laughs> Idaho that is 0-2 and did not cover the spread. And then their last win was by three points against Illinois. And that yeah. is how Indiana has gotten to be 3-0 and this year, is overtime uh, yeah. against Western Kentucky, <laughs> Illinois, and not covering against 0-2 Idaho. They were also losing 10-0 at half against Idaho. they they might be the team usually i say it's rutgers who's gonna go oh and seven because they play in the same division as ohio state and michigan state and michigan and penn state i think it might be indiana this year yeah well it's not they don't have a lot of 
figures working for them because they have like five automatic losses on their schedule right now. They're playing at Cincinnati this week. Um, you know, at home against Michigan, probably another loss. Uh, at home against Penn State, definitely another loss. At Ohio State, another loss. At Michigan State, another loss. It's five automatic losses right there. And then you have Purdue, Rutgers. You know, you have your you have your in conference games. But they uh, can Purdue, beat Nebraska. Rutgers, Maryland, but uh, they Nebraska. can beat Nebraska, baby. They, they then can they can Nebraska. get to they can get to four and eight by beating Nebraska. <laughs> and you know that. Uh, it looks like it's kind of ironic. It looks like six and six might be their best scenario, even after going three and zero so far this year. So, I mean, it's going to be a rough, uh, rough set of conference games for uh, for Indiana fans. But at the same time, who watched Indiana football? Like, I, you're I, watching I SMU in Maryland. Indiana football. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but I mean, Maryland's at least entertaining. You, know, you got two as brother playing for Maryland. You got a couple interesting players in it. I mean, let me let I me make fan, a right? proposition like here. To watch it. I have a proposition that will probably come true. Right now, Maryland, Rutgers, and Indiana are all three and zero. I bet you only one of those teams will make a bowl game. Only one of those three teams will end up making a bowl game this year. What three teams? You said Rutgers, Indiana, Rutgers, East. Indiana, and Maryland. Oh, hmm. I de- I definitely think. I feel like Maryland's going to sneakily make one. Um, I, I could see that. I could see because they they all play me. each other. So theoretically, unless they all go one and one against each other, which would be hilarious. Theoretically, one of those teams is going to get two wins against the other one. So that would automatically get them to five. And then I'm just assuming they'll win one other game, even if it's a weird one against like Michigan State or something. Yeah, I can definitely see. I could see Rutgers and Maryland making it, but it would definitely take a major upset for one of those two teams that even have a chance, you know? Mm-hmm. They would have to beat, they would have to beat up on Indiana to get the fourth win and then find two other wins somewhere in their schedule, which is entirely possible. Right. Like, <laughs> What's Indiana going to do? Probably nothing, but you know, we are talking about Rutgers and Maryland. These aren't exactly uh, the, the the exuding confidence when it comes to football. Let's see. Rutgers has Iowa this week. Could they beat Iowa? <laughs> they, they most definitely can beat Iowa. Iowa might be the most overrated team in football, even though they're not even ranked right now. It is ridiculous how bad they are. Okay, so maybe they could get Iowa. Oh, well, here's a funny thing also. they Just like uh, Indiana, they also have Nebraska. So maybe these teams are going to make bowl games just by beating Nebraska. <laughs> hey, I mean, big, big salute to Scott Frost, you know, for absolutely ruining that entire program. And, okay. Uh, and I- uh, be able to actually have a chance. There's a hilarious scenario that I'm really, really hoping happens now is that Rutgers and Maryland both get to five wins and then they play each other the last week of the season and they're fighting for a bowl game. Oh, please let that bowl happen. Game. That would be fun. That'd be a great game to watch. That's, that would be that, so just, silly. Well, no, it won't. It won't be a good game to watch. I don't know why I even said that. Well, but it, it'll be, it, it'll, it will be, it will be fun in that it will like, it won't be a classic big 10 game where like it's 17 to 10, like both teams will score in the twenties. And if that is, that is fun by big 10 standards by, by non Ohio state and Michigan, big 10 standards, both teams scoring in the twenties is an entertaining football game. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll, I'll take that. I definitely think that'll be a, 
entertaining enough. Uh, and, I, and I think honestly, like, I mean, I know this sounds crazy, but I actually don't hate watching Rutgers. Like, I feel like they're not, a, they're not, a, you know, a horrible team. And, and Maryland's been a really fun team to watch. Like people, people don't realize like, I mean, it's, it's kind of funny because their defense is so bad. Like they're, they're just terrible. So you're, you're seeing their offense on the field a lot, right? Like it's 80% offense from Maryland because their defense is getting a touchdown every other play. Right. So yeah. it's actually kind of fun to watch like Talia. Like he makes a lot of really fun plays. Uh, Maryland's got a really, really fun offense. They got they had a really good running back that played last week. I don't even know his name. I've never heard of him before this. Um, but he had some really, really impressive runs late in the fourth quarter that I was like, bro, this guy's good, you know? And there's a couple of really fun plays from from uh, Maryland. So, I mean, it, seeing those two go at it, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't hate that matchup at all. I feel like, I mean, it, I can definitely see it being 20, something 20, but I wouldn't be shocked if Maryland or something like that puts up 30, 35 points because they have a really, really good and fun offense to watch. Like, that is a genuinely – fun team to watch sometimes now that doesn't mean they're good you know fun and yeah, good are yeah. not are, are not you maryland know, I, he, the best way i can phrase it is like maryland is fun the same way maroon five and five are fun <laughs> right yeah. yeah it's like Mar- they're not Maryland's like yeah. sorry but... no I, I was just gonna say they're not gonna do what like south carolina did last week against georgia and lose 48 zero like when they play ohio state they will at least be less than a 40 point underdog <laughs> That will be the only case where I will bet the over in a 70-plus point game is whenever they play a team like Ohio State because that score is going to be like 70 to 30. Like, it'll it'll like genuinely be like insanely high scoring with how their offenses operate because I know for a fact Ohio State's going to score at will against Maryland's offense. Like, there's not a chance they're not going to score a touchdown in every single possession. But Maryland can score against Ohio State's defense, and that sounds crazy to say, but their offense is high-powered enough where – I mean, they are very, very reliant on breaking out big plays. So it's entirely possible that if Ohio State can manage to not allow those big plays, maybe their entire offense just falls apart. But they haven't been stopped yet, right? So it would not shock me in the least that they scored four, maybe five touchdowns in the game against Ohio State. Now, they're still losing by 30, right? Like, it's not going to change anything. But their offense is capable of putting up points. That would be the only scenario where I would put – where I would consider – betting me over in a game that's predicted to go over 70 points in terms of a over-under because I just genuinely think that if Maryland's playing against a team that's very, very – or that is more superior than them, they're not going to stop them at all on offense. But they can maybe still get some points on defense that at least make it competitive to the point where the team – where Ohio State's forced to score much, much more touchdowns than what they originally probably intended on. The best way I can describe it is if if Notre Dame can have a lead at halftime against Ohio State or Texas can be within four points against Alabama, Maryland can do the same thing that those teams did. That's basically the way I could think of it is like you get the notification on your phone that's like, hey, Maryland is up seven three in the second quarter against Ohio State. And you're like, well, they're never going to win, but it's kind of cool that they're in it for like a quarter and a half. Yeah, it, although I would just be shocked if they allowed three points in a, in a quarter against Ohio State. <laughs> I would just be jaw dropped with that. But no, no, I do. I definitely get what you mean, though. Like, I, I think, I think the way we saw Texas's defense kind of shock Alabama would be the way I could possibly see a team like Maryland's offense shocking a Big Ten team like that. You know what I mean? Like, I can definitely see it happening for a team like Michigan, right? Because Michigan has not played against really any good opponents yet. Um, they've had a lot of, you know, really 
you know, pretty bad opponents right now. And I think Maryland's a team that's capable of, you know, shockingly putting up a couple of touchdowns against Michigan early. And maybe Michigan still has a lead because, again, I, I don't see Maryland stopping anything. But they played this week, right? And Michigan's a 17-point yes. favorite. I would not be shocked if we see Maryland keep that game very respectable, especially in the first half in terms of scoring points because they are very, very capable of putting points on the board whenever needed. Yeah, Michigan has finally completed their preseason schedule and are now beginning with the first game of the regular season against Maryland. Right. Yeah, they, they finally figured out their quarterback battle. You know? Have they? That was the only reason those first three games. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Who is it? JJ is it McCarthy? The guy. Okay. Yeah, okay. McCarthy's the guy, for sure. Matt okay, McNamara has been a team that has been a guy that they, like, Michigan fans have supported uh, Cade McNamara, but... Uh, yeah, I, I watched I watched him come in late in the game last week, and uh, I can't remember what it was. Like first play, I think he just got like absolutely crushed <laughs> immediately. Yeah. And I was for, like, oh, for people who brutal. haven't been following this, because I feel like there's there's context that we should apply here that we know about. So basically, for the first three weeks of the season, Michigan did a dual quarterback thing where. They went, um, they, they basically had McCarthy start one game, McNamara start the next, and then McCarthy start the next, which is like a weird thing to do. Like, right, you're doing rotating quarterbacks to start the year. And it's just because they had like, one, a really good defense and two, just no respect for the opponents that they were playing because the first game of the year, they played Colorado State, which for people who don't know, Colorado State is basically like doing the same thing USC is doing. Yeah, where USC basically just like copy pasted Oklahoma's roster onto their team. Colorado State basically just copy pasted Nevada's roster onto their team when they took the coach from Nevada and they beat him by 45 points. And then they played Hawaii, who's terrible this year. And their coach, their coach got fired last year for being abusive to players so much so that his son transferred away from the program and then they played UConn and UConn's just should just disband their football program and should have disbanded their football program 10 years ago and beat them 59 to zero. So they just played a preseason schedule and now they, they've decided on their quarterback and they're also really good and probably going to win every game this year and lose to Ohio State. And they still will probably yep. get snubbed from the playoff just because that's how it kind of works out. Maybe they'll lose a weird game to like, I don't know, like, actually, I'm looking at their schedule. There really isn't a trip up game anywhere on there. They they don't play Purdue. <laughs> they, they play Michigan State at home and Michigan State just got blanked by by Washington. Like there's there really is no trip up game on Maryland's schedule. They're going to be fa- or on Michigan's schedule. They're going to be favored by Penn double State. digits in every game. Penn State could be a team that can be sneaky. I think even though they're at home, I think Michigan's going to be a favorite in that game. Like it wouldn't shock me if it wouldn't shock me if that game maybe Michigan's like a nine point favor or an eight point favorite because I think Penn State's definitely capable. Penn State impressed me last week. I mean they they walked into Auburn and manhandled them for four quarters. You know, uh, so I mean that's, I'm not that's saying not yeah. Look, it's I know, it's, I'm not saying yeah. it's impressive. I'm not saying it's impressive. TJ Finley's a horrible quarterback, but but <laughs> I, I I definitely think though, like I mean, for any SEC school, I think you know, I mean, even though Auburn's, I would say in the lower class of SEC schools right now, in, football, uh, uh, in the SEC West, Auburn is definitely seven out of seven because they literally fired yeah. their athletic director two weeks before the season started, and their coach is going to get fired sometime in the next two weeks for okay. being kind of rude to his players and for being yeah. bad. 
yeah, no, I, I can definitely, I can definitely uh, get with that. But I, I still think though, like, I mean, I, I always feel like SEC home team, like home games, are just always close, no matter how bad they are. Like, I mean, maybe not Vanderbilt, maybe not, you know, on occasion, maybe not Missouri. But I feel like Auburn, like even in their worst, you know, parts of their of their seasons, are, are still respectable. And I think, I even think Auburn was. I don't remember what the, the line was in that game, but I definitely think Auburn was within a touchdown. They might have been, have, have, have even been a favorite. I'm not too sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but Penn State walked in there and, and just destroyed Auburn for four quarters. You know, I think the score was like 40. I, I don't know. It, is, it was 41 to 12. Um, so, I mean, a complete decimation. And I think that, you know, Michigan's definitely a team that is not going to be walked over like how Auburn just was. That's definitely not going to be the case. But Penn State just showed me that they can take care of business whenever necessary. And in a big game like that, and a game where Penn State might be wanting to make a name for themselves, I mean, they are currently 14 in the nation. If they, in a couple of weeks, if they end up continuing to climb up the ranks and they're in the top 10, it's going to be a top 10 matchup between two really good teams. I think that'll be a really, really fun game to watch down the line. Now, I definitely think Michigan's still going to be the favorite if we're doing a pick in that game. I'm probably still going to take Michigan because I think Blake Corum and what the Michigan offense has been doing with JJ McCarthy has just been really, really fun. And they've finally, they've finally gotten a really, really good offensive scheme. Their defense has been really solid as well. Again, haven't played anyone. So is this all really true? Maybe not. This could all be a lie for all I know. But where I've seen so far, Michigan seems like a top five team in the country. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's I, the, I that's the thing I would say. Yes. Michigan is after Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia. Like Michigan is very clearly the top of the next group. Yes. Yeah. I, I also think USC, I think our team USC is up there too. I think USC is a really good and, and pretty solid team. And they played against a couple of really solid opponents so far this year compared to Michigan who really hasn't. But uh, yeah, I definitely think Michigan for me, like if I'm doing a power ranking right now, I'd probably put them maybe I'm definitely putting them over Clemson. Um, I would probably say they're maybe four could be five. One of the two, I, I would say, you know, they're definitely, I don't think they're with the big three yet. Um, you know, Georgia, Bama, uh, Ohio State seem like a leg above everyone else, despite Bama really playing Texas close last week um, or the other week. But I, I definitely still think that they are going to be like right in that next tier of teams, right? So they're going to be really, really good. And Penn State's probably going to be a tier behind them during this week. But, you know, upsets are always possible. And, and Penn State showed me at least that playing an away game matters nothing to them. They can still go out there and take care of business in a away game. So despite Michigan's big crowd, which is definitely a lot bigger than, uh, you know, a crowd like, um, you know, Auburn's, even though Auburn still has a pretty big crowd every week. Um, you know, I still think that, you know, Penn State's capable of going out there and not being faced in the least. And that's why I think I really, I really think it could be a really fun game in a couple of weeks. It would be so great if Penn State and Kentucky upgrade from the Citrus Bowl to playing in the in the Fiesta Bowl or the Cotton Bowl this year. That's their <laughs> upgrade between the two schools is that both of them now get to play in the sixth New Year's Six Bowl game instead of the seventh New Year's Six Bowl game. That would be right. a fun little uh, celebration of Penn State and Kentucky being like those tier three college football programs, which for Kentucky is incredible. And for Penn State, I think they're kind of like content to just not be awful at this point. So, yeah. you know, Penn State's cool with it. They're they're not going to be Ohio State. They're not going to be Michigan. They're cool with it for Kentucky. It's like, oh, shit, we get to play Penn State again in the in the Cotton Bowl. For Kentucky, being the third best team in the SEC is like being the best team ever. Like, I mean, because yeah. yeah. there's no there's no real possibility where, where you're ever going to be better than Georgia or Alabama, right? Yeah, that's an SEC have, championship. Yeah, that's like right. winning the SEC title. 
Right. In the next tier, whenever you have like Arkansas, A&M, Tennessee, Florida, those teams, when you're better than them, that's awesome. Like those are like also like other top 15, top 20 schools, you know, like those are all really, really good teams. And I, I think as a Kentucky fan, it's awesome being at the top of that, you know, like just being in that next tier because, you know, you're one fluke upset away from playing Bama in the, in the SEC championship. And that's the only thing I ever want as a Kentucky fan. I just want that <laughs> one game. I just want to, I just want that one. You just game. want now, that we will, week. We will you, you... lose. We will lose 59 to seven. All right. I want that week of hyping up, talking trash. I'm going to be the biggest Kentucky Wildcats fan for that week. If it ever does happen. So, now, so it's... you want to be the guy who's basically, you want to be sister Jean for the week before the final four oh, is yeah. that you just oh, get yeah. one week to celebrate like it's a national championship before you get whooped by Alabama. That's like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I want to put all my trash, you know, I want to, I want to say everything. I have zero confidence in Kentucky winning that football game, but I want yeah. to enjoy that moment and act like we are going to win that football game. So that way I can hype myself up yeah. and then I can settle down my expectations and watch this get blown out. But that's yeah, totally I'm, I'm okay. If, like, that. like that's what the Georgia game has become for you, right? Because Georgia, right? Like basically Georgia at this point, I heard someone phrase this perfectly. Georgia right now is basically 2012 Alabama where like they're on the road to winning national championships like every other year, like Bama's done for 14 years. Like you basically have two Alabamas in your conference and Kentucky yeah. can never be that. So like finishing third in the conference is basically an SEC championship for Kentucky. Yeah, easily. Yeah, uh, that, that that's awesome. New Year's Six Bowl is absolutely the goal. If we get to play even the sixth, New Year's Six Bowl. If we get to play in the Fiesta Bowl, I am so happy. I want Clemson this year, really. That's the team I want to play. I want to play against Clemson. I want to go out there, and I I think Kentucky can give Clemson a solid game. I'm not, not saying we're going to win. I definitely think we'll be the underdogs in that game, but I would love to see um, Kentucky go out there and give Dabo Sweeney some sweat um, because I really, really think Kentucky's a legit team, and I think you know, if, if they're able to go out and play in a New Year's Six game, you know how much better they can make their recruiting and everything like that. That really, really helps the programs and continuing to make steps towards hopefully getting a chance to play in the SEC championship in the in the distant future. Now, again, probably not going to happen because, you know, you, you have two Alabamas really in your conference, right? But mm -hmm. at the same time, I think that, you know, the conferences are going to change here in the next couple of um, uh, years with uh, the additions of Oklahoma and Texas. I really think that, you're maybe going to have some some different uh, teams swap. Maybe you can get a couple of good draws every other year. And maybe they have a chance of being one of the better teams in the SEC if they're able to stay away from Georgia or Alabama. Like, that would be awesome if we get that chance. Uh, and I, I think that, you know, if you're able to start that off at a New Year's Six Bowl this year, that would be so huge for the program. And, and the Sugar Bowl's available team. this year. College football playoff is Fiesta Bowl and Peach Bowl. So Sugar Bowl's available for you. Third place in the SEC gets the Sugar Bowl. That would basically like, feel like an SEC championship. I would be stoked. I mean, I, I think it's pretty much required. I, maybe, maybe if Tennessee drops a couple of games, uh, they can they can escape that with two wins. But I feel or two losses. But I feel like I feel like in order for them to be able to get that bowl, they might have to go eleven and one and only lose to Georgia. Eleven and um, one is a control your own destiny situation. Twelve and two, you need some things, or ten and two, you need some things to break your way. But right, uh, you need Arkansas eleven and one is control your own to destiny. Lose. Right, you need Arkansas and Tennessee to lose to teams that are not Georgia or Alabama. Um, but I, actually, Tennessee does get Georgia and Alabama, I believe. So you know mm -hmm. they they probably will have two losses. 
But if but Tennessee really beats you head-to-head, head, then 10-2 and right. two versus 10-2 and two goes to Tennessee. Yeah. So they're going to need to lose three games. You need Arkansas to probably lose two games, one to probably Alabama and another one to hopefully another pretty not okay school. Um, and, and if then, you guys you lose know, to Ole Miss, then you need Ole Miss to lose three times. Right. Well, if we lose to Ole Miss, I'm, I'm giving up on that because I, I don't feel like at that point, I don't feel like they're going <laughs> to they're going to get to the I point mean, where they're good enough to. Win I don't know. I mean, who do you think is going to finish second in the SEC West? <laughs> it's, I have no idea anymore. Now that Texas A&M is not going to do it. I, like who's going to finish second in the SEC West this year? I mean, I, I think Ole Miss is good. I think Tennessee's a lot better. Um, and I would, oh, I shouldn't say that. I think Tennessee is definitely better. Maybe not by a wide margin, but Ole Miss, I think, is a borderline top 20 football team this year, right? Like they're, they're around that area. I think Tennessee's a top 15, might even be top 10 by the end of the season this year. I think Tennessee's got a legit team, and I'm genuinely worried to play there. That's actually probably going to be a game I'm going to go to. I've uh, talked about it going to Tennessee to Knoxville to watch that game because that's going to be a once in a lifetime experience. If both those teams in the top 15, top 20, that's going to be an insane experience to go watch. I would be super hyped to go see that. Um, that but, could be the game you know, to get into the Sugar Bowl. I mean, going through this now, that could be winner yeah. goes to the Sugar Bowl situation as long as like they yeah. don't do something stupid and lose to Missouri. Yeah, well, yeah, barring any dumb mistake losses, which has happened before. Like, I'm not going to leave that without possibility. Mississippi State has beat us multiple times. I wouldn't even put past South Carolina beating us now. South Carolina does not impress me the least of bits, but I definitely wouldn't put past them to beat us because we did it to them whenever they were at the top of their program several years back. So it's certainly possible that happens. But it kind of feels like to me, as long as you take care of business with everyone else, it's really all down to Ole Miss and Tennessee. If you win both those games, you're getting a New Year's Six Bowl. If you lose one of those games and when the other it depends on it depends on how that other team that you lose to does but it's still possible in a new year's six ball if you lose both you're probably going back to the citrus bowl right <laughs> so it's going to be one of those one of those scenarios i think for Cincinnati or for kentucky um to see how far they're able to go but i'm not leaving out the possibility of us also going eight and four if something falls apart you know because it's certainly possible with how tough some of these opponents have been in the past for, uh, for Kentucky. Um, Mississippi State, I think, is a very, very dangerous offense with their air raid. Of course, they're always capable of putting up points. I think, um, you know, I think they handle business against teams like Vanderbilt and Missouri. I'm not particularly worried about that. But I do think a team like North South Carolina can give them fits. I think, you know, there's a couple of teams out there that I think could be struggling. But I think Kentucky has – three or four games that they should still win pretty easily after this, right? So you're pretty much, I think, guaranteeing yourself seven or eight wins. And if, as long as you take care of business in a couple of the other games, you know, you're going to be favored. They already did the hard part. They already beat Florida. Tennessee might lose to Florida this week and just fuck everything up for themselves. But, you know, right. Kentucky did the hard part of beating Florida. Now you just got to beat Tennessee head to head. Yep. Man, it's exciting. I'm I'm so excited about that. I'm 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 starting the Will Levis campaign now. I'm I'm not gonna lie to you. I am absolutely biased about this. And once we get the grading, I will be a lot less unbiased, <laughs> right? I will be a lot less unbiased because I take all my bias out when I'm scouting players. You know, um, for several years I've had. Um, now I will say I do scout a lot of Kentucky players that are going to the draft because I know they're going to the draft, right? But a lot of times, a lot of those players are down at the bottom of my list. So I'm gonna be completely, utterly non-biased when I'm scouting these players. I'm going to make sure I, I get them right um, before I worry about it. But right now, I'm starting the Will Levis quarterback three campaign. You can jump on. You can leave. I don't care. Anthony Richardson is not a better quarterback than Will Levis. and kind of proved that the other week against Florida. So 
I think it's going to be a pretty pretty good conversation to talk about. You know, possibly where Levis going in the top fifteen of the draft next year. That's going to be really really fun uh, to mm-hmm. see if that does happen. But um, and I will absolutely be in Kansas City to watch that without question. I'm I'm going to be there. I want to see where Levis uh, lift up the uniform because that's going to be the next team I'm going to going to adopt. I will always be a Bengals <laughs> fan, but wherever Will Levis goes, hoorah! I'm cheering for that team, no matter who it is. I don't care. I want to see that team. I love Will Levis, so I'm I'm totally ready to hop on that train. <laughs> Nice, nice. So to wrap up college football talk, because I sense we're moving towards an NFL conversation here. Uh, every week with USC, I'm doing this weird thing where I'm like, this is the week they have the trip up game. Because last week I was like, could totally see them falling to Fresno. And this week they play at Oregon State. I'm like, oh, Oregon State's probably going to win that game, right? This is where USC stumbles. This is where USC stops looking legit. And Every week, I'm just like anticipating USC's downfall so that I don't get to like w- October and I'm like rooting for USC to go 12 and 0. Cause like I want right. to see it happen. I, it's interesting how great their offense is. In my mind, I'm just like, eventually they're going to slip up. They're going to have to slip up at some point. I don't know when, but it's going to have to happen at some point. And uh, I think after this week, I'd be cool. Cause after that, they play the coachless Arizona State, Wazoo. Yeah, they play Utah after that. USC will probably be fine, but they've been fun. They've been putting up a ton of points. And uh, mentally, I just don't I've been super fascinated by how the experiment has gone so far because they just put up a ton of points, give up a bunch of points and look like a Lincoln Riley team. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Marvin Mims and and Jordan Addison have been really, really fun wide receivers to watch paired up with Caleb Williams, who has looked really impressive in year two. I think it's a really, really fun team in general. And and I hope I will be totally fine with them losing to Oregon State as long as they hit the under. Because I've already placed a bet on the under of this game. So as long as that happens, I am completely okay with, with uh, them losing. Now, I'm still rooting for because I actually like them as the, the last playoff team to get in this year uh, who would probably end up getting destroyed by Georgia at the start of the season, at the start of the bowl game year. But uh, I, I definitely think that you know that it's going to be it's going to be a really, really – fun team to watch as long as they handle business in in these other games okay so switching gears to the nfl i do want to bring up something about your cincinnati Bengals real quick before seeing what else you're kind of interested in because this is the first time we've done a full podcast like this talking about the nfl regular season because i think the last one we did was right before week one of the nfl started but um they, they flash the graphic every week of like if you start zero and two here's your chances of making the playoffs and the percentage chance is, uh, I think, 11% chance if you start 0-2 of making the playoffs, which means that one out of every nine playoff teams, or sorry, one out of every nine teams who starts 0-2 makes the playoffs in the NFL, which means that probably one of the 0-2 teams this year is going to make the playoffs. And if I'm looking at the list of 0-2 teams, probably going to be the Bengals. So Bengals still in a good position statistically to make the playoffs, even though they're 0-2, because the other 0-2 teams are the Raiders, the Titans, the Panthers, and the Falcons, which the, 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 the Bengals should be fine. Bengals should be fine when it comes to making it to the playoffs, even though they're 0-2. And I mean... Yeah, I, I, I'm not being a pessimistic fan or anything like that, but I don't know because they have one of the hardest schedules in the league as well. And I think, you know, you got Kansas City, you got Buffalo, you got Baltimore twice, you get the Steelers who are always dangerous no matter what. You do have to play the Browns with Deshaun Watson later on in the year. 
you're gonna have a lot of really tough games. You you, you know you have the Titans who don't look as good as what we expected, but they still can be still can be a pretty solid opponent. You had the Buccaneers, you had the Saints. You have a lot of really tough teams this year that I think are gonna be really tough. But if you look at the Cincinnati's past, you know they never start off quick. Never have, almost never will. Last year they were a Dal- Dalvin Cook fumble, which I not even really been a fumble away for being 0-2 to start the season as well. You know so. It's certainly possible that they turn around and end up improving things, but I do worry about Joe Burrow's confidence right now. It seems like he's had some issues coming back from the surgery that he had previously with his appendix. Um, you know, Bengals starting right tackle Lyle Collins is now hurt with a back injury, so you have, to, you have that to worry about. You have another problem on the offensive line that is still allowed 11 sacks in two weeks, which is the most so far. Um, you know, so it, it's a, there's a lot of concerns right now for Cincinnati. I think they definitely need a fix before I'm ever considering them for a playoff. Uh, appearance right now because clearly they're not a playoff team they just lost to Cooper Rush and Mitchell Trubisky that is not a playoff team but they're very capable of turning it around their defense has looked great so far they've been top 10 defense in the NFL currently statistically I believe it's ninth right now and we all know their offense is talented enough to be in top 10 as well so this is certainly a team that could be a top 10 team down the line I just need to see them put it together I need to see Joe Burrow not hold on to the ball for too long I need to see their receivers create more separation I need to see the offensive line let Joe Burrow in the pocket for at least two seconds. That's all I ask. Some of those things need to happen in order for me to be confident that they can make the playoffs again. But this is a good week for them because they have the Jets, right? And the Jets are definitely a team that's capable of upsetting the Bengals because they did it last year with Mike White. But I think that this is a, this is a game I can definitely see Cincinnati tune up before we have a big game week four at home against Miami, which I, which I think is going to be a really big game in deciphering whether or not they're able to make the playoffs. So these next two weeks are going to be huge because next week's a tune-up game, I think, for the big opponent week four in Miami, where if you beat them, then you're right back on track to where you were originally, being two and two, and and I, I predict them to start the season two and two, right? So at that point, yeah. I think that there's definitely a possibility where I can definitely see playoffs still being in the, in the conversation. And it also helps that the entire AFC North lost, lost last week, right? The Patriots uh, beat the Steelers. The Steelers did not look good at, at in the least against the Patriots team that's not very good either. The Ravens got upset by the Dolphins, of course, who looked great. So if you beat the Dolphins, maybe you look to see, hey, maybe the Ravens aren't, aren't that dangerous to us. Um, and I certainly think they can give you some fits. I think, definitely think we probably split against them. But I definitely see an opportunity where you beat them in the division. I also think the Cleveland Browns, you know, you have Jacoby Brissett right now. Um, they just lost to the Jets, of course. Um, we know that they're going to have a pretty rough start to the season. And even with Watson coming back, I still think it's going to take them a while before they're able to tune up enough to be able to make the playoffs, right? So as long as the Ravens continue to have some of these games where they maybe struggle and since they can bounce back, they're still definitely in the conversation to win that division. And I'm not giving up on them yet, but it has been a really, really rough start for that team. And the the part that I brought up when talking about the 0-2 teams is that there's only five teams that are 0-2. And, and I believe that if it were possible and like teams that were 0-1 didn't also play teams that were 0-1, if it were possible, everyone would be 1-1 right now. Like just everyone in the league would be 1-1 one one because except for the Bills and the Chiefs and the Buccaneers, everyone else is like we have no idea who the great teams are. I still think Baltimore is a great team. Obviously, that looks a lot worse once the, the Dolphins game happens last week and they give up three touchdowns in seven minutes. But like I still think Baltimore is a really great team. And then the funny part about the way the first week of the season's broken down is that we know who the great teams are and then everyone else, but they're the same teams we all thought at the start of the year. And then everyone else has kind of been like fighting for their positioning in the in-between and some have looked better than others, 
but it's not like anyone is toast right now. It's it's been very reaffirming of what we thought at the start of the season, at least for me, just because I was joking at the start of the year. Everyone's going to be really confused when the Bengals and Dolphins are battling it out for the last playoff spot in the AFC because they think of the Bengals as the Super Bowl team and the Dolphins as the Dolphins. But uh, it's never been more true than it is right now that the Dolphins oh, yeah. and Bengals will be battling it out for the seventh wild card spot in the AFC. Yeah, and and let me say with the Miami Dolphins real quick, this is this is a tool you would have got had you waited and played Ryan Fitzpatrick that entire season the previous year. You get two of some time to be able to get used to this offense, get used to practice, have his confidence at an all-time high, come in and play. This was a tool you would have gotten week one of last year had you waited and and waited to play him with when he had an entire season and an offseason under his belt where he can get used to the offense. You would have had a confident Tua, and, and granted, you didn't have Tyree Kill, so maybe maybe that's maybe I'm jumping the gun there. But I definitely think that the Tua Tagovailoa is a very very talented quarterback who just needed some time to recover from his injury, build up his confidence again, go out there and do what he does best and sling the ball right. And he waited. He's got some time. He had an entire offseason under his belt. He had Tyree Kill added. And look what he's doing right now. He has two receivers in the top three in the league right now in passing yards. That is a very, very dangerous Dolphins offense. That I And I'm all over them. I think they're going to be a really, really good team this year. I agree with you. It would not shock me in the least if week 17 we're, we're looking and seeing, hey, which team ends up becoming the team with the playoffs. And that this week four game between the Dolphins and Bengals might be the deciding factor. That might be the factor on what decides which of those two teams make the playoffs. So that's going to be a really, really big game to keep an eye for week four. Um Assuming the Bengals just don't royally screw up and lose again next week is the Jets because at that point, I would say you're probably done because I don't see them winning 10 games in the next 15, right, or, or 14. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just yeah. don't see that happening because you have too many tough games in there. You're going to lose a couple. They don't. Cincinnati is not going on winning streaks. They win two games, they lose a game. <laughs> you know, so I'd also uh, like to I, point out another part about the Dolphins because because you talked about like adding talent around Tua has made it infinitely easier. And yes, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle make Tua's life easier. I'll also point out that Teron Armstead, their big free agent signing, has a top five pro football focus grade at the right tackle position so far this yeah. season. So giving Tua time in the pocket and fast receivers has been very instrumental in his looking like a tier three quarterback to start the season. Yeah. Or like just a quarterback you want to give an extension to is the best way I should phrase it. He's looked really good. Now I I will give the Ravens the benefit of the doubt. They are continuing to show that they cannot stay healthy, right? Their, their cornerback room was again, just completely dusted uh, last week because you didn't have anyone, you know, Marlon Humphrey was playing, but Marlon Humphrey doesn't look, look, look the same Marlon Humphrey he has in the past. He has really struggled these last couple of – really, this this past year and the year before, he has really struggled. Marcus Peters has, again, not stayed, not been able to be healthy. Now, he might be coming back soon, but is it going to be the same Marcus Peters? We don't know. A, a lot of this team is injured right now. And you have Jalen Armour Davis being your cornerback one. You know, he have Marlon Humphrey, of course, playing in the slot. You know, you have a lot of – players that are struggling really bad on, on this team right now. And it looks like the secondary might be a big weakness. Kyle Hamilton has not looked good so far. Uh, I, I love Kyle Hamilton. I was very, very high on him in the draft. But a rising issue that he always had was he's not the fastest guy, right? He has really, really good range. He's a very, very smart football player, but he is not the most athletically gifted. And that is the problem for, for Kyle Hamilton. And it's becoming very, very clear that 
the Ravens might be trying to make him do too much at this point. And I do think it's, it's a worry right now for me because, you know, this is going to be a, a, a tough adjustment period for Kyle Hamilton because he's, you know, they're, they're throwing him out there to be that, you know, I think strong safety that's going to be able to be all over the field. And he just hasn't done that so far because he's not fast enough right now. And you playing NFL level talent, you need time to adjust to that. So I do think that there's going to be a pretty big glaring weakness behind the Ravens, and, uh, you know, uh, secondary and the Dolphins went in and really not even for the first three quarters, only, only for the fourth quarter took advantage of that and scored, I think, four, four maybe five touchdowns at the end of the game. Uh, they to, scored to four in the fourth quarter, five in the second half, and okay. Baltimore also could have had an extra touch. So basically they, they came back from 28 or 21 down and scored four touchdowns in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, you really always can manage that at the end of the game, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and, and a lot of, I think, two his passing yards uh, this week were off the charts. He was, a, he, I think he had the most passing yards out of anyone this week. So, that's probably a big Oh, yeah, why by far. By right far. Now. Yeah. I mean, Burrow dropped 500 against the Ravens last week. And I think it's a very similar looking secondary to what it was or last year. I mean, it's a very similar looking secondary to what it was last year whenever the Ravens were, again, had no one against Joe Burrow, right? So, I'm not going to put too much into that. But I still think at the same time, it's looked very impressive. I think Tyree Kill is proving to me that he is not only one of, he might be the second best receiver in the league right now. I think he's that good. And I, I think that he's really showing us that he's at least showing me, um, who was not a believer that he was a top three wide receiver. I think he might have been five for me at best. Um, because I, I thought a lot of what he did was due to Patrick Mahomes, right? But I think he's showing me that's quite the exact opposite. Um, Mahomes is still looking good. He's still Mahomes. So I'm not going to say Mahomes is struggling without Tyree Kill. But Tyree Kill is fine with whatever quarterback he has. No problem. Mm-hmm. He's going to be great. Yeah, Baltimore's in this. I'm glad you mentioned the Chiefs because Baltimore's in the same place the Chiefs have been for a bunch of years, which is you don't know what you're going to get from the defense. But the offense is always top four in the NFL. And Baltimore's offense, I mean, Baltimore has been the, I I thought Baltimore was going to win the AFC North easy just because I knew how great the offense was with Lamar Jackson being the running game and the passing game. The fact that they have two legitimately good receivers, I'm not going to say like elite receivers, but Duvernay and Bateman are both really, really good. And like everyone was saying they had the worst receiving core in the NFL. And both of those guys have been awesome to start the year. And seeing that makes me realize that Baltimore has basically like the equivalent receiving core to like the Seahawks. And if that's the case, they're going to be totally fine in both the passing game and the running game because they have that elite quarterback. Yeah. Well, when you include Andrews, it's a, it's a lot better yeah. passing attack than what you kind of would give him credit for, you know, because Andrews is practically a wide receiver at this point. He is going to finish yeah, the, the, the trio of Duvernay, Andrews and Bateman, where neither of them is a true wide receiver one, but all of them are like wide receiver twos right now. And all of them are capable yeah. of putting up a thousand yards in a season. I, I, I mean, I, I think for what it's worth, I think Andrews is certainly capable of being a wide receiver one now with the tight end. So it's, it's not the same thing, but you're talking about like a, a, a tier, maybe a half a tier below Travis Kelsey in terms of his ability of catching the ball. So yeah, I mean, that's that really, second really tier of tight, the tight ends that are above the Gasecki line where like Gasecki's the true wide receiver three on the, the Dolphins now. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're, if they're, yeah. they're not a Gasecki, but also not a Kelsey. That's, that's basically where Mark Andrews resides. Yeah, but he's also better than everyone else in that tier. You know what I mean? Like he's like the top of that tier. You know what I mean? So uh, he's a he's certainly a very very good 
uh, tied in. And I think as a whole, I mean, Lamar Jackson is continuing to prove any doubters wrong. He's still an elite quarterback. There's no problems to his game. He's going to, when he, when he puts everything together, he is one of the most unstoppable players in the NFL, clearly. Um, so I definitely think the Ravens are in good shape, but at least offensively, but defensively, it's still a concern. Um, and offensively, you know, you look back at the running back core, still hurt, still haven't been able to get healthy yet. So there's still concerns about that. It just seems like there's something wrong with Baltimore in terms of being able to condition their players to stay healthy. They have injuries every single game and continuing to be a, a regular occurring problem for them. And, you know, Cincinnati had this big problem back in 2015 where they looked so good. And then, like, their entire roster got hurt in the final four games of the season. And you're like, what in the world just happened, right? And then you lose to the Steelers with A.J. McCarron. Um, and, and Baltimore is doing this just off the bat. They're, every single player they have that's valuable is getting hurt in some sort. And it's just becoming a problem. It's continuing to snowball. And so, you know, I, I hate that for them. And I, I want every single team to stay healthy in the NFL. But they have to figure out something because if this continues to happen, and this is it's, it's starting to become more of a pattern to me than a coincidence. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't know what it would be. I don't know if it's a stream of conditioning, the lack of stretching. I don't know what it is, but a lot of muscle tears, a lot of just problems and injuries on these team on this team that has been really concerning to me uh, over the last year and a half uh, of football. Um, it's been so longer I than that. that I, I could argue Baltimore has not been fully mm-hmm. healthy as a team since that playoff game against the Titans in 2020. Like yeah. they, because Ronnie Stanley got hurt like week six of 2020 and then had another big right. injury in 2021. So like starting from there onwards, it's been like catastrophic amounts of injuries for three seasons for Baltimore. Yeah. I mean, like half the roster is gone. Right. And that's just, yeah. That's I, I that bring just... up the stat all the time. Baltimore last year had the second in 2020 highest percentage of salary cap that went on IR. And last year they finished second only behind Detroit and that was only the case because Detroit's salary cap number was so low and they had a bunch of injuries but you know the De- Baltimore is like the most injured team relative to like percentage of the salary cap two years in a row right yeah so I mean it, it really is rough for them and and I hope they, tur- they turn things around but again it, it looks to be a problem and the Dolphins clearly took advantage of that that's why Miami's looked so good early so you know I'm not saying they're going to be the you know I'm not I, I'm not going to say they're going to be a lock for the playoffs yet, but Miami looks good. Tua looks good. This is the team to be notable or you know the team to notice at least in the AFC because I definitely think they're capable of of at least going nine ten wins this season. Um, but I, again, I think that matchup between them and Cincinnati Week Four is going to be so huge, especially if Cincinnati wins uh, Week Three because that's going to be a game that really really I think pushes some narratives on whether whether or not Cincinnati can recover from the Super Bowl hangover or if the Dolphins are going to be a legit contender this year. I guess it is a bit of a Super Bowl hangover. I just Cincinnati's problems are the same problems they had last year. They just got really lucky in those playoff games to to have the Chiefs throw up on themselves and get to the Super Bowl and took advantage of that. Cincinnati's Maybe, so strange but- in that way. Yeah, but I mean, Burrow has not looked the same ever since that Super Bowl, right? I mean, he's he's mm-hmm. clearly taking a step back right now, and I think you know maybe you can say that the appendix injury, uh, but it also, or the appendix surgery, but it also could be the fact that maybe he is struggling from Super Bowl hangover. Um, you know, Higgins has been a little banged up, but he's been kind of quiet right now. Chase has still been Jamar Chase. Uh, I don't really think I'm shocked by that, you know. But at the same time, they've lost their they lost their deep pass attack that they had last year, despite having 
a much better offensive line, you know, on the, on paper at least, right? Their, their offensive line last year was horrible, one of the worst of all time. But they still were able to be one of the most explosive teams in the league last year. They had no explosion this year. They Joe Burrow did not even throw a pass that was over 30 yards down the field, which is really shocking considering last year they were one of the teams that threw the most passes 30 yards down the field, right? So it kind of just changes everything. I don't know if the play calling. I don't know if it's the fact that Burrow just cannot have time in the pocket. Um, but it seems like to me, especially after the Steelers game, for sure, after those interceptions, it seems like he's trying too hard to not take risks. And that does worry me for the future. Now, I, I think Joe Burrow is good enough to recover from those problems, but I'm definitely willing to say that it's going to be a problem that if they don't solve soon, they're in deep trouble in the future. Or at least they'll have a hole to dig out of the last 10 weeks of the season where they're fighting yeah. from behind to catch. Yeah. Who would it be? I guess the Baltimore. Yeah. Baltimore for the division. And I, right. And I guess for the wild card, it would be the Dolphins, probably. Uh, I, I have a. Huh? Broncos. Oh, you don't believe in the Broncos, do you? <laughs> I. Uh, you know, I, I will say shout out to myself for being right about Russell Wilson's regression. I definitely think it's coming, but mm-hmm. um, I, I still think the Broncos are going to be a team that's going to be, they're going to have a, a couple of chances to win nine or 10 games this season. I, 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 okay. I do think there is a worry, but again, they, they, even though they have struggled, so it's Cincinnati. So I can't particularly bash them too hard without at least, you know, being fair and saying, Hey, the Bengals don't look good either. You know? Yeah, I get what you mean. And uh, Denver, Denver just, I don't, there's a lot of teams that I think I overestimated at the start of the year based on reputation. Cause I think people were doing the whole thing with the AFC West about like every team was going to be good. And then I was like, uh, we're doing that based on past reputation of Russell Wilson and Devonte Adams. But I don't think those right. players are so game changing that it changes the entire like construct of the division. I think we also kind of just assumed that the, that Belichick and Tomlin would be able to fix all of the problems with their teams. And I don't think either of those teams are going to win more than 50% of their games. So I right. think uh, in hindsight, now that I've seen it, I'm like, oh, I think I was doing like past precedent in evaluating those teams because now I see a more like clearly defined layout of the AFC where there are only like seven playoff caliber teams in the AFC when we were like, there are 12 really good teams in the AFC. And now I'm like Broncos, Patriots, Steelers, not as good as I thought they were going to be. And now yeah, it makes it a little sure. easier to map out the AFC playoff. Yeah, I mean, you 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 look at. I think right now it seems like the Chiefs have definitely the Chiefs and Bills for sure. I've, I think separated themselves <laughs> at the top, right? And the I sucky mean, part, yeah, the sucky part is that there's only six AFC playoff spots because someone has to win the AFC South. AFC South, yeah, it's it's the if the Jaguars make the it wouldn't shock me. It would not shock me if the Jacksonville Jaguars make the playoffs right now with how bad the Colts and Titans have looked. Colts are going to figure it out. I'm betting on the Colts are going to figure it out because they just have more talented players than Jacksonville. Although I have spent the whole week refusing to talk about the Colts because like I'm assuming every sports talk station is talking about the Colts. And I want to point out Trevor Lawrence had the best passer rating in the league on short and middle throws last week, short and intermediate throws last week, best passer rating in the entire league. And he actually we're actually starting to be able to evaluate him as a quarterback. Christian Kirk supremacy. I'm telling you, Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> he, he, Trevor Lawrence is a player that I did not expect to have the slow start he did. I thought he could have came out exploding, 
but at the same time, he had Urban Meyer, the head coach. So how yeah, I was going to say literally the worst, him? most in, uh, unstable coaching hire in the history of the NFL. <laughs> right. You give him the most average coach I've ever seen in Doug Peterson, and he is all of, all of a sudden looking like a great player. You know what I mean? <laughs> You've um, given him stability. So, You've given him stability. Right. And look, for the first time since before the pandemic, because he that, that 2020 Clemson season was crazy, too, if you've read how that went down and him getting COVID and everything. You've given him stability for the first time since before the pandemic, and look how good of a quarterback he is. Yep. Yeah, I, I, think, I think it's going to be really fun. I, I think we're finally seeing an era where the, the horrible teams are getting better, right? The Giants look better. And Brian Dayball looks like he's making an impact on the New York Giants. And I'm like, yes, give me all of this. I want more New York Giants. I want no. Will Levis to go to the Giants. No, Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. no. Gi- Giants are this year's Broncos, this year's Panthers. They will be drafting in the top eight. Let's not believe that they're 2-0 and but by anything other than just weird, weird okay. way the schedule broke for them. I get that, but they're showing flashes of being an improved football team, right? They're stable. They don't have stupid Joe Judge anymore, and so they're stable. (laughs) Right. Uh, The Jaguars, they look to be more stable. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, the Jets, I think, are still to be determined, although for some reason Joe Flacco looks great so far, which is really weird. Um, (laughs) But, you know, we have to wait until we see Zach Wilson because obviously that lot could change with a new quarterback in the system. Uh, And and then, you know, you look at teams like – who was the other team I was thinking of? I can't even remember now. Uh, who's been stable? Who's two and zero? Oh, the Lions. Uh, the Lions. No, no, no. Oh, yeah. no the Lions were who are one and one. The Lions went out and, and and I mean the game ended up being a little closer in the end when it really shouldn't have. But they destroyed Washington on all accounts last week. If that game had three quarters, they were winning by fifty. It felt like you know because mm-hmm. they were just completely destroying Carson Wentz and and uh, Washington. So I mean. These things are finally fi- finding some, I think, maybe, I think stability is probably the right word to say, some, some stability in their franchise. And I'm like, yes, I want to see, I want to see this a lot because we're going to see the Lions next year draft one of these top three quarterbacks. And they're going to be a very, very dangerous team in the NFC North very soon. I'm calling it now because they have a lot of really solid pieces. Almond Ross St. Brown looks to be legit as a receiver. You had Davidson Williams, who's coming back from an injury. I think he's going to be good. DJ Sharks. A very fine third option for this receiving core. Um, it looks like technically they're four. The they got Hawkinson still, so that's technically four. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's true. Um, you know, their offensive line is has still had some hiccups maybe every now and then, but they look a lot better. Um, and their defense, I think, is going to be a, a position or the, the side that they're going to really focus on this year in free agency and maybe the draft as well. So once you're able to figure out all that and and go out there and put a team together, I think I think kind of legit like it's a crazy for me to say like maybe dan campbell's not the worst coaching hire in the world i i, I love dan campbell i want more of this give me some more uh detroit lions content i need all of it the part oh, about also, the lions oh sorry what are you saying sorry and also aiden hutchinson an absolute beast right he's he's, he's defensive player of the year right now or defensive rookie of the year yeah, he's been insane uh-huh. He's been awesome and a guy who probably should have been picked number one in hindsight. But yeah. the, but because Jeff Okuda didn't work out like this is the prime piece of the Detroit Lions rebuild, right, is Aiden Hutchinson is going to be they, they like other than him didn't really improve the roster year over year. And now they're like scoring at will on offense. And it's kind of interesting how that worked out. Uh, Detroit is the Maryland Terrapins of NFL this year. I'm going to put that out into the universe <laughs> as we've talked <laughs> about Maryland a bunch. They're going to. Score 30, give up 30, 
or, or yeah. score. Tw- and sometimes Jared Goff's going to throw five picks and they're only going to score six points. So they'll, they'll finish yep. with seven wins probably, but Detroit's interesting and everyone's going to fall in love with that team over as the year. I think they already have, but I think everyone's going to like root for the terrible Detroit lines. Uh, my my uh, petition that came out this week, and I just want to see what you think about this, is that we should uh, we should give the Buffalo Bills the AFC East and AFC South division titles, and then they should be allowed to play <laughs> double elimination in the playoffs. I think that's only fair, given how terrible the AFC South is and how amazing Buffalo yeah. Bills are on offense. That we should just Buffalo's not going to play another meaningful game all year. So I think they should they should be awarded two division titles and then get to play double elimination in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I would just love to be a Buffalo Bills fan. You kick up your feet and watch every game, knowing that no matter what result comes, you're you're probably going to be the one seed. <laughs> you know, they're in that changes. space. The Chiefs have been the last three years, which is the entire purpose of the regular season is to get healthy for the playoffs. And right. we should all be watching them because their games don't matter. And even with a vanilla offense, they are still going to put up thirty five points because they're just so good. This regular season is their preseason. Their preseason was their pre-preseason. You know, like <laughs> that's basically how it is, right? This is a training yeah. camp at this point. Just, just don't get injured. Their their entire regular season is don't get injured and maybe figure out how to run the football. Yeah, I I, I agree. I think that that that's definitely going to be, uh, you know, their their thing because I mean they're going to go out there and they're going to. They're going to get James Cook reps. They're going to get their, their younger players reps, and they're going to uh, you know, they're going to see what they have in these younger guys, and they're going to get an offense together uh, to and possibly defense as well to go out there and and make the Super Bowl. And I mean, it's hard for me to believe that that they are, there's any team in football right now that's better than the Bills. They are just so good. Top to but I also say maybe like you don't have to figure out the running game because if you don't and the playoffs roll around, then you can just let Josh Allen be Cam Newton as your number one running back because that's Josh <laughs> yeah. Allen is their number one running back. You just can't do that in the regular season because number one goal, don't get injured. <laughs> number two goal, maybe get the one seed, but more important, stay healthy versus getting the one seed because once you get to the playoffs, you can run Josh Allen 15 times for 60 yards and just let him run over linebackers and shit. But in the regular season, you can't let him do it. So even if you don't figure out the running game, you'll still be okay. Just maybe yeah. try and find a good running back on your team, even though there are none. I think the only like problem anyone ever had with the Bills this offseason was going to potentially be their defense right after what happened in the final game against Patrick Mahomes you know you, you're you're a great football team but your defense is good enough to beat Mahomes well their defense has been the best in the NFL so far I think it's pretty fair to say I mean they they destroyed uh week one destroyed the Super Bowl reigning champs you know their defensive line like insane Von Miller had a big impact in that game they turned around and then he completely shut down the Titans on all accounts you forced Malik Wills to come into the play that, that says a lot with how with how uh you know, the Titans have played la- that, you know, last, or, or, but this past yeah. Sunday. So I definitely think that, uh, you know, the Bills on all accounts have looked complete as a team right now. The Demons looks to be not even the problem anymore. They might even be the stronger unit at this point, which is saying a lot considering how good their offense is. But I mean, they are all around a really, really good team. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned a team that I haven't brought this up yet on uh, on the podcast yet. This would usually be something I talk out, but this is just something that I'm thinking about processing. I want to workshop this with you here because you brought up a team I'm interested in. 
And I'm always skeptical because I'm either very, very right or very, very wrong whenever I talk about this team. It, it's never in the middle. This this may be the most polarizing team on the podcast. <laughs> I think over the next month and into the offseason, the Tennessee Titans should make everyone available. Everyone is available for trade. And if we get the right price on anyone, anyone can be traded. Derrick Henry, Jeffrey Simmons, uh, call it Robert Woods, anyone on the team can be available to be had in a trade. And we should start looking at tearing this whole thing down and maybe Mike Vrabel leaves and takes another better job. We should be looking at tearing this thing down if we're the Titans. Yeah, I don't hate it. I think a big factor in this decision would be how well the other AFC South teams perform the rest of the season because if they continue to be really bad, you might be able to get away with putting together a, maybe a retool and, and getting some players around the roster to maybe be that favorite to win AFC South in the next couple of years, right? But if the Jaguars continue to look good, if the Colts figure things out and look good, I definitely would agree with you because I think right now, um, Derrick Henry, I, I, I really worry about in terms of how he's playing. I, I think that, you know, I wonder if it's the same Derrick Henry we've had in the past. Um, I think the receiver core is one of the poor receiver cores right now in the league. They, they don't look good. Traylon Burks has been really the only bright side. He's been a very minimal upside to that team uh, right now. Um, Ryan Tannehill obviously is not the answer. You you are highly considering, you know, looking and seeing how Malik Willis plays after, you know, watching him enter the game in the middle of the game last week. Um, I guess the Bills, I, think, I definitely think that starts to be a conversation to have. If you get to the point where you do not think Ryan Tannehill is going to lead you to a playoff spot, I would absolutely tear everything down. I would look to try to trade every player, especially Derrick Henry, I think, and try to rebuild this team from the ground up and work with your new core players of, you know, Harold Landry, who I think is going to be there long-term, Malik Willis, Traylon Burks. Um, you know, if you, I think there's another player that I would consider to be a core player on this team that I would try to keep around, Kevin Byard. I think it's a really, really underrated and good safety that he probably does not get enough value to be worth to trade away. Um, so I would say probably try to keep those kind of four key pieces on this team. Uh, I think um, – uh, the the linebacker who I'm completely David Long I think is another guy uh, who has been a, a really good bright spot on this team so a couple of really young players obviously who are still on you know rookie contracts and then a buyer who is going to be a, a veteran now for this team I think that you, as long as you keep those those base players I would probably push to try to trade everyone else away you know like you don't need Robert Woods you don't need Derrick Henry um, I I don't think in the future for this team if, if you're going to want to contend in the South in the future. These players are not going to be the guys to do it for a year. You're going to need some new younger pieces and build around your new quarterback. So I definitely think it depends on how the AFC South does, but I definitely don't hate that opinion because what we saw this past week tells me that even if the Titans do make the playoffs, they're not getting anywhere close to a Super Bowl. This is not going to happen. Yeah, I was kind of thinking like the next two years, like this year and next year, you could kind of like quick turn around the Titans where like, Maybe you keep Malik Willis. Maybe you get lucky and end up with one of the really good quarterbacks or something like that. But if not, like the next two years would be about just getting talented players on rookie contracts. And like maybe you're just like throwing darts at the board more than anything else. Cause I don't think even if the Titans tried to tank, they couldn't get a pick higher than like pick five or six, which you can still get like elite blue chippers at that pick. 
it's just not going to be the same thing as like a guaranteed hit at number one. So I guess I'm just thinking about that. Like you get talented players on rookie contracts and you already have the defense ready-made with the, the two guys. I mean, Simmons could maybe get a first round pick, but like Landry and Simmons and Bayard probably still stay and everything else you can reset cap space and reset the, the players on the team and by 2024, you're at least trending in the right direction was kind yeah. of the idea I had for them is like, instead of fighting for the playoffs this year, see what you can get for Derrick Henry while his value is probably its highest while Robert Woods value is his highest. Well, um, like Danico Autry or Zach Cunningham or guys like that while their value is the highest. I know Taylor Luan just got hurt, so probably not him anymore, but like see what you can get for like those middle tier guys who could at least get you something to help you get younger and maybe let guys walk like Tannehill in free agency so you can get comp picks and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I, I would definitely agree with that then because I definitely think that even if it's not going to be this year or next year, a rebuild's definitely on the horizon for this team because I, I think they were signing up for a rebuild the moment they signed Ryan Tannehill, right? Like, Clearly, he was going to be a bridge quarterback for a new guy. I think even even if even with the success they've had in terms of making the playoffs and, and getting to the championship game, um, I, I definitely think still this is a, a team that was clearly had the idea of hey, we can see if we can try to sneak a Super Bowl here in the next couple of seasons. If not, bring a new guy, and they got their new guy now, Malik Willis. I think is going to be their new guy now. Is he is he the guy? I, I don't know, but they're going to at least try to see if he's the guy. Um, I think over these next over the next year and a half, and if he shows good signs of it, I would absolutely just immediately try to start a rebuild if it if it's good. Now, yeah. I, I'm a, personally, a, a, you know, I think you try to get your quarterback first, and you try to build the team around them. You, even if it even if it means you know maybe taking your quarterback and letting him sit a year for a, for a bridge guy, um, I think that would be a, a good scenario. If, if, if Titans can get away with doing what the 49ers deal with, you know, letting Ryan Tannehill take a bay cut like how Jimmy Garoppolo did. Um, I think that would be pretty well ideal for them and have a guy who can just be the bridge quarterback while you continue to rebuild this roster. And it's going to be a couple of years where you're going maybe six and 11, maybe seven and 10 for a couple of years, which I think will, will kind of suck. But you get good draft picks, you're able to build a team, and then you put your quarterback, which might be Malik Willis, might not be if he doesn't show enough. Um, it, it you know depends, but if 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 a quarterback works out for you, you throw them in there. You throw your new players in there. You have a new team. You have a lot of cap space probably if you're able to get rid of some of these older vets. Um, you can sign some players to build around, and all of a sudden you have another team that can contend in 2024, or 25, like you said. So I definitely think it's a good idea for the Titans, and that's something I'm really looking out for this season because if they don't do well, then it's it's starting early. What do you think Derrick Henry would go for if you're trying to trade him right now? Like, is there a team that would give up a first round pick or more for Derrick Henry? I most definitely would never give up a first round pick right now for Derrick Henry. Now, I don't know if a team would and really wouldn't shock me if a team did. But I think right now with the climate of running backs and the fact that Henry is declining, I think in a way, I would probably stay at best a second, maybe a third at this point with for Derrick Henry, which just sounds low, but he's getting up there in age. I think people I think teams recognize that. And I think that, you know, because of that, they're gonna be a little more more hesitant to uh try to trade for him. 
Um, now, part so of it I, is I he's a free agent after next season. So basically, if they traded him at the deadline, he would have a year and a half under contract and a team wouldn't have to give him an extension necessarily. Although if they trade for him, they're probably yeah. giving him an extension. Right. Yeah. Uh, a sign and trade wouldn't be the you know the worst option, right? Like maybe you'd, maybe you'd do something like that. But um, I can also see maybe a possibility where he just leaves outright free agency. Maybe they just don't re-sign him. And honestly, for the Titans, I don't hate that. You save a lot of cap space. You know, he's going to go somewhere else and be fine, make a lot of money. Um, but I think for you, you're, if you're you're able to clear up a lot of cap space and sign someone else, um, so in in a, in a way, it's kind of like a trade of your own in in that kind of sense. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you are able, if, if he does re-sign to the team. And you are able to trade him. I'm accepting a third at that point. I think that's probably Oof. the best offer, one of the better offers you're going to get. And I that's think, just, it's, but it's if so- he leaves in free agency, that's just a comp pick, anyways. Like I, I can't yeah. believe that the best running back I've ever seen is going for comp. Like you, you ha- let him walk for comp picks when he's 28 years old. Like I, I can't believe the nature of the running back position. If that guy can't survive injuries. And the aging process of running backs like Derrick Henry, who's going to make the Hall of Fame, is going to go for comp picks like that seems crazy to me. Well, let me say, I don't know if the injuries is as concerning as what people are, are making it out to be. Um, but I do think the age and the fact that at this age right here is when even the best of players start to decline, unless you're Frank Gore. Right. Like <laughs> that, that's when you start, this, is, this yeah. is the age that you said to go downhill. Right. And I think. I think for teams that are contending, it's definitely worth to add a guy like Derrick Henry. Like if you if you think Derrick Henry over the Bills, right? Like they're gonna snag him if they can get him, right? Um, but at the same time, I think teams also recognize that hey, it's probably not worth it to pay this guy as much as he's making to be an aging running back who might have had his best days behind him. You know, I think that's that's the, that's the kind of the outlook a lot of other teams are gonna have, right? And if you're a team like the Dolphins or Titans, I mean. Um, you're going to look at this and think, hey, do we want to keep this guy? Do we want to pay him this much? Or do we want to focus on a rebuild and just let him go and get the comp pick, swallow the bullet, and and rebuild this football team? And I almost think that letting him lead a free agency might even make more sense than trading him and, and re-signing him back because you risk not getting a lot back in return and you risk the fact that maybe you're stick with him for a lot longer than what you're hoping for. I, I think right now – it would not shock me at all if Derrick Henry is going to be on a new football team in the future. Would not shock me in the bit, least bit. Derrick Henry's going to get traded to the Rams, isn't he? We're going to let oh, him go God. to the Rams. Please no. I have Daryl Henderson in fantasy. That <laughs> makes so much sense. You only have him for a year and a half. The Rams get their second round picks back for for you know they traded two, one for Von Miller and they get him back for twenty twenty four. Like you could give up two second round picks and get Derrick Henry. Just F them picks and, and have Derrick Henry in your backfield. Yeah, I mean, the Titans get two second-round picks for Henry. I, I'd do it, for sure. Yeah. Oh, my God, Rams, do it. Do it. Oh, my God, do it. That would be so much fun, especially because Matthew Stafford's a broken shell of himself right now. Please, please trade for Derrick Henry in the next month. That would be so much fun. Please let that happen. That would be that would be so confusing to to watch because I feel like you already have Cooper Cup, but now that you add Derrick Henry, are are you a run heavy offense? Are you a pass heavy offense? Are you balanced? Like I think at that point, like who 
who drops first? Are we gonna are we gonna see Henry drop his crown first? Or are we gonna see Cooper Cup drop his triple crown? Here, <laughs> right? I, no, here here's what's gonna happen. The Rams won't be the worst rushing team of any playoff team in the NFL because that's what the Rams were last year. The worst rushing yeah. team in the NFL of, of any of the fourteen playoff teams. They were the worst rushing team that made the playoffs last year, and they if only won the for Super Josh Bowl. Allen. Yeah, yeah. Josh Allen improved Buffaloes because, yeah, Josh Allen was the Bills' number one running back in the regular season. But yeah, basically, but even even though Buffalo didn't have a good running game, Buffalo still used the running backs a lot. The Rams were lowest usage rate among playoff teams last year in the NFL in terms of time of possession, which is not a perfect stat, but it's like loosely related because when you run the ball, the clock always keeps running. But when you throw an incompletion, the clock stops. So like time of possession isn't perfect, but the Rams were one of three teams that were above 500 that had less time of possession than their opponents last season. So like, even though Buffalo isn't good at running the football, they still run the football a lot. The Rams basically decided we're just going to abandon the running game and 50% of our offense is going to go through Cooper cup. And I think that's been consistent to start this year. I'd have to check after the Rams game, but I know in the, the, uh, or the Falcons game, but I know the game against the bills, Cooper Cup was used on 53% of their offensive plays, which is like by far the highest usage rate in the NFL. Right. And and I think I think for a team like the Bills, um for for a team that I think is so, you know, you mentioned that they they do use their running backs quite a bit. I think that they also in a, in a sense um, have an extension of the run game through screens and shorter passes, right? So they're able to mm-hmm. ensure completions and get yards outside the numbers. Um, I, I think a team like the Rams have not really been able to do that because Cup is such a dangerous weapon down the field. You really don't want to be the type to give him the ball behind the line of scrimmage. And you really don't have anyone else that's reliable enough to be a yards after catch guy. I will say I love the 2-2 Atwell pick because I thought he would be that guy. And I mentioned him as being that guy. Um, maybe Van Jefferson can grow into that player, but Van Jefferson's more, again, another deep route player that is a really good route runner. So you want him to be able to run complex routes down the field. And, and I think Allen Robinson is, I'm, I'm worried about Allen Robinson right now. I thought maybe he would have improved this offense. It doesn't look like it's improved at all. So I, I wonder if he's, you know, you know, in, getting to the point where he's going to start regressing as a player. Um, so I, I do think that kind of extension of the run game could also be a big problem for the Rams. Maybe not just the running game, but also the fact that you're not being able to get reliable five, six yards per play, you know, mm-hmm. like the Rams put- so far, this, sorry, the Rams so far right now have been so reliant on getting cup over the middle of the field for 20 yards. You know, they, you just can't do that every single game. You're not gonna get away with it. Let me put it this way. The Los Angeles Rams currently have their 2023 second and third round picks available at their disposal. So next year's draft, they have their second and third. And then in 2024, they have all of their draft picks available. So would you give up a 2024 second and a 2023 third and maybe an extra like sixth round pick for Derrick Henry? For without a contract extension, just a year and a half of Derrick Henry. Oh, and you get a comp pick back if Derrick Henry leaves in free agency. The Rams would do it, but me personally, I just wouldn't. You know, so I, mm-hmm. I think that I feel like they would do it. I think it would be better long term if you just kept the picks at this point, because again, it, it just kind of goes back to the point. Like Derrick Henry has been one of the most impactful running backs I've ever seen on a football field. But at the same time, um, 
if you're going to be a team that's so reliant on, I think, Cooper Cup and this deep passing game to kind of have, why, I, I just don't see the idea of, of going and getting Derrick Henry. I would actually prioritize keeping those draft picks and potentially getting a yard to their catch receiver in the next year's class. So <laughs> Yawn. that would be... Yawn. I know it sounds boring. I know it sounds boring, but that's but that's the complexity of football, and that's why sometimes the big moves aren't always the best moves. You know, just go get Odell Beckham again. That's so much easier than keeping your draft picks. Is just having Odell come to your team every year, (laughs) right? Yeah, Uh, it shocks me that he's not on the team. Uh, I guess because of injuries. Maybe Mm -hmm. that's that's it's it's just because he won't be able to play until December, and people are preserving their cap space. I think. But I feel like maybe, but I feel like at the same time, it's so risky because I feel like another team could just say, hey, we want Odell. Like we're willing to wait, right? And they give him a, a contract. I mean, I think Odell would accept it. You know, if you, if you get the contract in front of him, I think he would probably take it as long as it's good it, enough money. I think it's like the Jimmy G thing where it's difficult to do it when he's not medically cleared to play. I think that's kind of like the difficult thing. Like even if you tried to sign him, he wouldn't be like medically cleared. And so it would like void the contract. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure exactly how it works, but I think that's kind of the explanation I've heard. Is like until he's medically cleared, it's hard for a team to sign him. Maybe I, I guess I get that, but I still I still think that like I don't know. There are teams who would, I I could just absolutely see taking that risk if they really needed it. You know, like, mm-hmm. it, it just wouldn't shock me if Baltimore was like, hey, you know, like if you're going to be back in a week or two, hey, just come on the <laughs> roster. We'll put you on the we'll put you on uh uh you know the the Practice, or I don't even know if uh, probably not practice squad, but put you on like the back end of the roster and just let you get healthy so we can take you. And all of a sudden, we have a really good passing offense, you know? Like, I, I just wouldn't shock me. My favorite, now that I'm thinking about this, my favorite scenario that will never happen, but it would be funny if it happened, is if the Packers just collect all the running backs and give up picks for Derrick Henry so that they can just have Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry Jr. and A.J. Dillon, and then just line up Aaron Jones at wide receiver and just run all screens and run plays. Like, just just Matt LaFleur gets to bathe in running backs like he always wanted to when he first drafted Jordan Love. As an A.J. Dillon enthusiast, I would be just completely sad, and my day would be ruined if that did happen. <laughs> but me, me and you both, me and you both on the A.J. Dillon enthusiasm. I'm I'm so mad in hindsight that I picked Deontay Johnson over him in fantasy this year, but I'm with you on the A.J. Dillon hype train. Deontay Johnson? Yeah, I picked Deontay Johnson over A.J. Dillon. Yeah. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> I already had Camara and Derrick Henry, so I, I went for a wide receiver instead, and I regret it. Yeah, <laughs> no, nah, but uh, at the same time, I think that man, I, I, I really, I really do think AJ Dillon is going to be legit. So I, I don't know. It's tough. I feel like Derrick Henry doesn't have a lot of places he can fit. Um, I almost feel like he's going to need to take a pay cut, but at the same time, he doesn't deserve a pay cut, right? He's been so good. So. Yeah, he's just going to play two more meaningless seasons in Tennessee. That I like, and the Titans would be better off just taking the picks and resetting the cap space. Like, I I just don't understand what the move is at this point for Tennessee. That's why I think the the best thing I can think of is just punt on these next two seasons. Because like, even if you make a meaningless playoff run, like, what's the point if you can? reset your cap space, get some blue chip prospects, perhaps best case scenario. And then like may- either Malik Willis is good or you're looking for another quarterback come 2023 or 2024. 
And, you know, there's no shortage of options for like the next Tannehill. Like, I I just I don't I don't know what the move is for Tennessee, just because they're clearly not good enough to they're only going to make the playoffs by as a byproduct of being in the AFC South. And they already did the hard part of trading AJ Brown. So like might as well go all the way with it because there's a bunch of people who you could get good value for instead of just letting them leave as free agents after meaningless season. Right. I I definitely think that um, the the Titans are going to be a team that, that needs to look to do it. The only, there's only, like like I said, there's only two reasons that they really wouldn't. And one is if the, the South looks bad the point where you're like hey we can still we can still win <laughs> we can games, beat right? jacksonville <laughs> right or i think it's possible they might be too scared to get rid of Vrabel, right and and they know that a rebuild's probably going to be the end of mike Vrabel there right unless they decide to keep through the rebuild which i think would be interesting i don't know if he would that would that. that would be Vrabel wanting to stay though that would be Vrabel yeah. saying i'll commit to building through the rebuild i'll be here for a decade like if I'm Vrabel and that Chargers job opens up, oh boy, yeah, I'd have to look. I'd have to look twice. I mean, they might have to trade him because I think Vrabel's under contract for like four years. But like, if I'm Vrabel, I'm looking at that. I'm like, hey, is there anything we can do to work this out? Right. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of jobs that can open up that I think he would take. Now, I don't know if Staley would get fired so soon, maybe. But if the Chargers, I think you could also look at it the other way. If the Chargers give it, saw an opportunity yeah. to get Vrabel they would take him. They'd be like, my Staley, I'm taking Mike Vrabel right now. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm giving Staley two more years. Like, I'm not saying it's going to happen in, in a, a month or two months. Uh, like it, it could happen in 2024. Like once Vrabel's contract is a little bit lower, maybe he gives back a bunch of the money in order to leave. Like they negotiate that down. Like he'll give back $7 million of his buyout to go coach the chargers. But like, I don't know, like given Staley, I'm not saying Staley's out the door now, but there's like if if Vrabel got a chance to coach one of those really good coaches, like I'm sure those teams would jump on the opportunity like the the Dolphins were going to give up so much for Sean Payton, like someone would do it like someone who has a better future than the Titans would do it. It's just what Vrabel wants to do, I think. Even Cincinnati, Cincinnati would be a great spot for Vrabel to land. Oh, Give me Mike Vrabel on Cincinnati, please. Yeah, fire Zach Taylor. So although your, your I would problem, Zach Taylor to the yeah. streets or Mike Vrabel. <laughs> no, it would it would be perfect. The problem is that like I know you have new owners, but like Mike Brown ain't paying nobody to not work. That's the problem. Is that the the Brown the Bengals are not paying you to not work. They're just gonna keep you kind of sitting in the office like Marvin Lewis was for those last two seasons. And right. But but Vrabel would be great. It'd be much better than Zach Taylor. <laughs> and it would be the stability that the Bengals need at head coach. Because like Vrabel, he's not one of those ones that we think of as like the great coaches, but he's also one of those that like give it five years and we'll look up and Vrabel's been a head coach for 12 years, just like John Harbaugh. Well, yeah, I think because I think because Vrabel's one of those guys that is probably never going to out coach someone, but he's never going to get out coach, you know? And I think that's so that's so huge in NFL in the NFL today because, like for example, Zach Taylor, he's had games where he's outcoached the opponent. I also think he's had games where he's been outcoached, and it's really been the last two games, right? He's been outcoached mm-hmm. the last two games. Mike Tomlin absolutely d- developed a scheme that destroyed their offense. Uh, you look at the other way around, you know, Mike McCarthy. 
he somehow got Cooper Rush to completely decimate the Bengals defense, and they end up holding on. You know, so I think that you know, looking at it in a, in a vacuum, I think um, you know, Cincinnati would would love to have someone like that who is not capable of getting out coached. You know, and I think you know, I don't know if Mike Brown sees it that way. I doubt he does because again, he's he's not the smartest owner of all time, but. If uh, if an opportunity like that came and the Bengals didn't take it, I would be so angry because they would absolutely that would be so huge for their pro, for their franchise to be able to get a guy like like Tyler Vrabel because I think instantly you put you put Vrabel with the offense they have and the defense they have and he can get a couple of his guys that come in that that changes the complete I think outlook on the Cincinnati Bengals as a franchise all of a sudden you know like yeah, even so, after the Super Bowl yeah. Yeah, yeah it would be this huge. is a this is a good start. So Derrick Henry goes to the Rams. Vrabel goes to the Bengals. Uh, they <laughs> they could get a pick for Danico Autry, probably. They could get a pick for yeah. Zach Cunningham. Uh, yeah. I don't know what Robert Woods' contract situation is looking like, but you don't need Robert Woods. You could just, you know, no. get anyone to be Robert Woods in that offense. Or, you know, yeah. just... You could keep Robert Woods. I mean, like, it's not terrible to give Malik Willis good wide receivers, but, you know, Robert Woods right. could stay, theoretically. Uh, I, no, I his think contract's not buyout. He's got four years and never a gigantic buyout, so it's not terrible. Yeah. I think, like you said, I think everyone could be available aside from the rookies, Jeffrey Simmons, Harold Landry, and Kevin Byard. Like, everyone else, I think, is just on the table, right? Like, Mm-hmm. That, I think that that pretty much makes sense to me. And if you, can get I would, I would also keep Taylor Lewan. I would, I would say Taylor Lewan off the. Just be bad enough to get like two blue chip prospects in twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four. Just be bad yeah. enough to get blue chippers in the draft. Yeah, I don't know if I'd keep Lewan, but maybe. Uh, I I think that. I think that's that. It's I can definitely see that being a, a, an okay idea. Um, keeping Luan. So, yeah, I, I think that, you know, it, the tight, I, it, I'm a believer that if you're going to rebuild, blow everything up and make it as loud as possible, you know, because like you want to take everything from the ground up. If you, if you get a new coach, you get a new quarterback, it's from the ground up. You, you're having a brand new foundation. It's a completely new franchise. There's no need to keep vets who are just being beaten to death out there every week, you know? Um, so I think that it's best for them to move on. It's best for you to just develop some new younger roster, new younger talent. Again, I will always praise the Houston Texans for what they've done. I love their idea of how they've rebuilt. And I think it will work eventually if they can get the right quarterback in the system. I'm just waiting on them getting the right head coach and the right quarterback. It's all they're missing. <laughs> so I think that, you know, if a team can do that and, and, and be able to get the right quarterback and the right head coach behind them to develop a good rebuild, you're in such good shape. That would just be the absolute best decision ever if the Titans were able to do that and they knew they were not capable of winning in the next several years. After this year, they also have a contract out on Bud Dupree. You could get a, you could get something for Bud Dupree yeah. in a trade, even go. if it's like a fourth rounder or something. Like, yeah. just, oh, just reset a the cap space. For Dupree would be such a win. It'd be such a win. Yeah, because I mean, I, and I love Dupree as a Kentucky fan. Love Bud Dupree, but clearly, a lot of his, you know, a lot of his. Uh, praise came because probably because of tj watt right so i mm-hmm. think that he's probably best suited as a second edge not the not the top edge and granted he is on the, on the titans harold landry is clearly the top guy now but i definitely think that dupree's had some injury problems he's getting paid a lot of money uh if you can get if you can get rid of him and get something back that would be ideal 
for the Titans for sure. You know, I'm glad we worked this out on air because I think we have a pretty good plan for the Titans because the Titans are that team that like the point of a teardown is to get like great players, but the Titans are already in a place where they have like pretty great players on their team. Like Harold Landry just got a giant extension, Simmons, Bayard, and they're betting on Burks, like being a really good number one receiver. But like, I think they just need a couple blue chippers and, you know, Mm -hmm. some third and fourth round guys that are like making, (laughs) making like 10% of what Bud Dupree is making. And, you know, turn that thing around. You got some cap space, uh, you know, could, could look Malik Willis turns into a starting caliber quarterback. And even if he doesn't, you can just find another one. You know, it's not, not terrible for the Titans. Not the, not the worst situation to be in. If they just do what the Falcons have done the last two years, I guess. If Malik Willis can be something similar to Kyler Murray, just even, I'm not saying the same because I don't think it's going to be the case. I think Kyle Murray's a, a very solid quarterback, but if he can just be the the Walmart version of of Kyler Murray, right? Like just just the most basic thing ever. So uh, Tua, as a, as a Kyler Murray. So Tua. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was praising Tua earlier, but maybe yeah, something like that. If he can be, if he can be what we're seeing from Tua right now, <laughs> I think. I think for sure, I think this, you are going to be able to have, you know, you're, you're a wide receiver away maybe and a couple of offensive line and a defense really. There's a couple of spots you have needs at, but you can really just fill out the roster around you. I think you would, I think a blue chip wide receiver would be ideal, right? Maybe Burks is that guy, maybe not. I wouldn't mm-hmm. hate the idea of them going into draft next year and drafting a receiver again round one. You know, I think it definitely could be a, a scenario that I could see Kayshawn Boutte, um, you know, Jordan Addison's been a big name so far that's risen over the last couple of weeks in the draft. Um, J- Jackson Smith and Jigba, I think, still going to be up there. You can get one of those guys, man, and, and pair him with Burks and, and allow Malik Willis to hopefully become the future of the team. You're in good shape. You're in good shape. And let all those vets go, rebuild the roster around with younger guys. I think you can keep the, the core of, of, of the defense with Simmons, Long, Landry, Bayard, you have those four guys who are really, really good players. Build a defense around them. Save up some cap space. Um, maybe you do keep maybe you, you do keep uh Taylor Luan and you can build a solid offensive line around Luan. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, you're looking good, right? I think you could find another running back somewhere. If you lose Derrick Henry, obviously, they're gonna find someone. Maybe Hassan Haskins is that guy. Um, you know, there's there's plenty of scenarios I could see that this that rebuild would work out for the Titans. It just all is dependent again on a quarterback it's dependent on what happens with Malik Willis. And that's the only thing I'm worried about because I was not impressed this past week. Perfect model. They should follow is the Philadelphia Eagles. If Malik Willis can be Jalen hurts, you're good because the Eagles are trying to upgrade from Jalen hurts and Jalen hurts is a top 20 quarterback on a rookie contract. So you know, t- paying Matt Ryan seventeen million or paying Matt Ryan thirty-seven million dollars when he's giving you the same production as Jalen Hurts. Just try that, Tennessee. Follow the Eagles model. Spend uh, Derrick Henry is your Carson Wentz. Just get some draft picks. Keep the future open, and then get some blue chippers. Get your Devonta Smith. Just get some blue chippers and let Malik Willis be Jalen Hurts. And just that's the model you should follow. 
Yeah, let Malik Wills continue to prove why you shouldn't replace him with a new quarterback each week. Right? Like, <laughs> uh, but, uh, it's, uh, it's what's happening with Hurts. I'm like, hey, Hurts needs to go because he's not your guy. And you need to learn that you're getting tricked into believing that he's the guy. Turns around, has a great game. I'm like, well, that was just a good game. And he's another one. I'm like, okay, well, that's two good games. You know, like he, he keeps like showing us why he should not be replaced immediately. And if Malik Wills can do that, that's ideal. That's, that's great for your program or for your franchise. Okay, I had a game to play, but it takes like 45 minutes. Do you want to play it this week or next week? Because it, it's a little expansive. Um, it's getting late. We, we can save that for next week if you'd like. I, I think Sounds that would good. Be, uh, be cool I, have, uh, I have created a, quite possibly the most expansive game we have played. So I'll save it for next week and okay. then we'll, we'll remember to play. Because it's not like it has to yeah. be done this week. It's not based on numbers oh. that are going to change or anything like that. So okay. we'll save That's it good. for next week. This week will be all about how to rebuild the Tennessee Titans and trade Derrick Henry to the Los Angeles Rams. Yes. Yeah, I, I'm F all over it. <laughs> Yes. Right. And, and Mike Vrabel to the Bengals. Uh, uh, some of the campaign now that would be the best thing ever. I mean, like you know, we, we throw back to like a couple of years. You're gonna laugh at this because throw back to about a year or two ago before they drafted Jamar Chase, where hashtag Galladay with the D E Y, right? We're gonna start a new thing with with Mike Vrabel and the Bengals. Now I have no clue what kind of way we would make that a, a trend, but I'm willing to start it today if we can do that because we got Galladay trending number one on Twitter. And the idea that like that would have been the worst franchise move of all time if they got Galladay and drafted Sewell, right? Like, so you guys, so so you're telling me that the Cincinnati Bengals fans did the same thing the Giants did when they got Ben McAdoo fired for being right about Eli Manning being washed and not letting them take Josh Allen because they wanted Saquon Barkley. You're telling me that that's what Bengals fans were trying to do. Yeah, I mean, essentially, yeah, they they were like. You know, I mean, you know, we, I'm sure you remember some of it, right? Like it wasn't yeah. like everyone was like, Hey, get you your offensive lineman, you know? And even, even I, you know, me personally, I thought Sewell was great. He was going to be just as impactful as, as Chamar Chase. Right. And so I thought, I, I don't think anyone expected Chase to be as good as what he's been so far. You yeah. know, I think Chase I, has I, been I, just above and beyond everything we'd expected. I mean, you said Tyree kills your number two receiver in the NFL. And I assume that Devonte Adams is not still number one. So I thought maybe you were talking about, Jamar Chase being uh, Justin, Justin Jefferson right now, okay. probably. Yeah. But I would probably say, you know, Tyree kills probably two. I, I would say cup three, maybe right now. <laughs> Cooper Cooper Cup is in this weird place because Cooper Cup's kind of in like the territory I think of as like old Ladanian Tomlinson where like he's <laughs> really good and he's really good because and because of that, he just keeps getting used like on every play. So like yeah. Cooper Cup's numbers look insane because he's like the reason yeah. the Rams offense is great. I just have such a hard time figuring out exactly how good Cooper Cup is. I know he's elite. I know he's incredible. It's just also like Justin Jefferson's usage rate is like 36% and Cooper Cup's is like 50%. So like, yeah. I don't know how to do the calculation on that. Yeah, no, I, I I I totally get that, and and that would be the reason why he's not number one for me, right? Because he was so good last year. I think a lot of people would have him at number one uh, after you know a, after what we're seeing so far this season for him. But I, I I would agree. I think that you know the question is how how much of it is the usage rate, you know? Um, but at the same time, he's he's just been too. It feels too disrespectful to put him much lower. Um, yeah. 
And then I would say I would say Chase and I would say Chase and Adams run out the top five in, in some order there. But you know what I mean? But I, I still think like I, I think for me right now, I feel pretty confident after watching these last couple of NFL games. Jefferson feels like the one to me. And I think Tyreek Hill's probably your two at this point. And things will change, of course, as the season goes on. Maybe Tyreek Hill does not find as much success now that they're not playing against the the absolute beaten and decimated Raven secondary. But after what I've seen so far, he has been really impressive to me. Uh, I know a lot of people who think Tyreek Hill's the best receiver in the league, you know, and I, I'm not one to say that because I think Jefferson's going to be very special. Um, but I think Tyreek Hill's a very, very good second right now. And you're looking at Chase Adams and and uh, Cup being that like right right next tier after I think maybe two and a half after you know like they're all on tier one I feel like wide receiver talk to close out the podcast stripe hype Cincy available on well I guess Twitter it's Blake Jude but everywhere else it's stripe hype Cincy and y'all should check it out oh yeah thank you